Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another week uh, in the dailies. We are getting much closer to Christmas, a couple weeks away, and we're in the story of Matthew, of course. We've finished with uh, the wise men, and we are looking now at actually a troubling event, uh, a very troubling a part of the Messiah's coming. And it's this, it is the genocide of the young infant boys of Bethlehem and the surrounding area. And you know, when, when you read that, you may ask the question, in fact, I hope you ask the question, why? Like, what is this about? And it's another one of those questions that, that we ask God, God, why so much bloodshed? Why so much pain in your story? And of course, I think the large answer is, well, this is God's story uh, of overcoming all of the evil and the brokenness in the world. Um, but as we get a little closer into the Christ story, I, I think it's also um, a reminder to us that, that Jesus uh, came as a king. And Matthew's account, which is really a bit of a bridge for the Jewish people between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the new covenant in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, uh, Matthew writes to demonstrate that Jesus is the Messiah, and because he is the Messiah, he is the king of the Jews. And the genealogy in chapter 1, I've already gone over that a couple weeks ago, talks about that. Um, one commentator put it this way, the story of Jesus is the story of the king who comes, the king who is rejected, and the king who will return. And it's actually very true when you look at the Gospel of Matthew, and all the Gospels, in fact. And because Jesus is a king, uh, and we know that he is still the king, the king of kings, uh, he is a threat to every king and to every kingdom. And so at the very beginning of his entrance into the world, we find the King of Kings, our Messiah, threatening the rule and the reign of others, beginning with the notorious King Herod, who we find in Matthew and the Jesus story. Um, he was a, a terrible man, actually. He wasn't really a king. He was uh, more or less an illegitimate king who called himself a king because the Romans put him in a place where he could. Um, he was a despot. He was, he was illegitimate. Uh, he, was, he was a guy who actually murdered most of his family and basically anyone who threatened him. And in fact, when he died, uh, he had all of the uh, noble people of Jerusalem gathered up a couple days before his death. And after he died, he, slaughtered, he had them all slaughtered so that uh, actually Jerusalem would, would be in mourning uh, for his death. Uh, they weren't mourning him. They were mourning the fact that all these other people had been killed. He was really a madman whose insecurities drove him into these terrible and despicable, detestable things. And he was a king who I think represents so well the brokenness that God's messianic king, our Lord Jesus Christ, came to heal and to break the chains of. Uh, and so we find that Matthew's account of Jesus reminds the Jewish audience of their prophecies and that their Messiah needed to fulfill because he was the king. And as they look back at the Old Testament, they can see these prophecies fulfilled. As we get into chapter 2 and look at verses 13 to 23, that's what it's really about. We see the story of all of the infant boys being killed in Bethlehem after Jesus escapes because it fulfills the prophecies that are written about Jesus, legitimizing him as the messianic king. Let me give you four that we find in just uh, chapter 2. Jesus fulfills these prophecies. Uh, and by the way, he fulfills them um, 
while he's being born. So it's not like he can go and read about it and then try to fulfill them. Uh, he actually fulfills them uh, by his parents uh, journeying to Bethlehem, by his parents taking him to Egypt, by his parents coming back and living in Nazareth. And so let's look at them here today, four of them. Uh, the first is his birth, and we've already looked at his birth, but in verses 4 to 6, uh, it says this, When he had called together all the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. This is King Herod talking to the wise men. And they said, Well, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. Listen, the wise people saying he's supposed to be born, the Messiah, in Bethlehem. Why? Because this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." And so we have the prophecy there uh, happening. The next is when we get into what we're looking at today, it's his escape to Egypt. It is fulfilling the prophecies uh, that we find there. In verse 13, it says, when they had gone, that is when the wise people had left, the wise men had left, uh, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. And so he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night and he left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled, again, prophecy, what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Third prophecy fulfilled in, in these verses, verses 16 to 18 the genocide in Bethlehem. When Herod realized that he had been tricked, outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He literally went insane. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. Again, do you hear that? Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And then finally, the fourth prophecy fulfilled, he, he returned to Nazareth. Mary and Joseph left Egypt after Herod died and they brought him back and settled in Nazareth. Uh, and it says this, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph and said, get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. And so he got up and he took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judah in place of his father, and he was a terrible man as well, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in another dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. There's the fourth one. He would be called a Nazarene. And actually attached to being a young boy growing up in Nazareth was this. Nazareth was actually a despised place. Uh, to be called a Nazarene was to be looked down upon uh, because it was really, uh, it was a tiny little village. Some people think it was like 150 people lived there. It was a nowhere village in a backwards province a long ways from the capital or really from anywhere. Uh, it was kind of like being a simple hick from the back hills of nowhere who comes stumbling out into society and everyone looks at this person and goes, really? That's where Jesus grew up. And so again, you know, the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 53, said that Jesus would be despised. He would be rejected. And you know, if Jesus had grown up in Bethlehem, he may not have been despised near as much 
as the fact that he was born in Nazareth. And in fact, I, I believe it was Philip said, can anything uh, coming out of Nazareth be good when they discovered Jesus and they began to follow him? Um, being from Nazareth just intensified the rejection that Jesus felt. So how do we summarize this today and what's the point? Here it is. Uh, our summary is that the prophet Micah said that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem and he did. The prophet Hosea said that the Messiah would come through Egypt and he did. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah said there would be weeping like Rachel and Ramah as mothers wept over their babies as they were torn from their arms and killed. And they did. And the prophets said that Jesus would be the Messiah, would be a Nazarene. And guess what? He was. And the point of that is that as you read the scriptures, just as the Jewish people read Matthew in the first century, these prophecies assure you, they assure me, they assure all of us that Jesus has the right to reign as king. He has the right to be the Messiah. He has fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies that were said about the Messiah. The Old Testament validates him over and over and over again. And so, can I just encourage you, let these fulfilled prophecies assure you today that Jesus is Lord and King. Let these fulfilled prophecies remind you that he has the right to reign and that he wants to reign over you as your King. And let his life story as it begins encourage you as you read the Gospels as they are intended to be read. God's story of deliverance to you through his Son, our Messiah and King. You know, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, the story of Jesus and, and our life with him is not about having a better life. It's about having life, period. It's about the difference between walking in darkness, walking in death, and walking in the light, walking in life itself. And so again, this Christmas, please walk in the light of, of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the King of Kings, the one that the Old Testament points to, the one that the New Testament also points to, the one that our lives are also to point to as we follow him. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, again, we thank you. Thank you, God, that, that the Bible just speaks so clearly about you and that the prophecies that were needed to be fulfilled were fulfilled with it. Lord, you didn't even have to try. You didn't have to read it and try to do all that. It, it happened because you are authentically the Messiah. And we love you and we thank you for all you've done for us. Amen. Hey, have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you again soon.